We wish fair winds and plastic-free seas to you all. Your positive, positive, positive imprint. 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 Stories are everywhere. People and their positive action inspire positive achievements. Your PI could mean the world to you. Get ready for your positive imprint. Hello, I'm Catherine, your host of this Variety Show podcast. Your Positive Imprint is transforming how we live today for a more sustainable tomorrow through education and information. Your own positive actions inspire change. Follow me on Facebook and Instagram, Your Positive Imprint. Connect with me on LinkedIn. Visit my website, yourpositiveimprint.com, and learn more about the podcast and sign up for email updates. And thank you for listening on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, well, your favorite podcast platform. Music by the legendary and talented Chris Knoll. Chris is known for being John Denver's pianist in the 1990s. Chris today composes his own music, including elevated intentions heard here only on Your Positive Imprint. Check out Chris and his awesome music at chrisknoll.com, C-H-R-I-S-N-O-L-E. Thank you again for listening and for your support of this podcast. Your Positive Imprint. What's your P.I.? My guest on the show today is a family of four from Australia. Sea life is under the threat of death. Fortunately, the sea monkeys are informing the world about ways to clean ocean plastic pollution. They're finding ocean plastic solutions. And you know, there are still communities who are not informed. They don't know that throwing plastic bags into the ocean is a death sentence for turtles and other sea life. And not to mention that in hundreds of years, that plastic will still exist as microplastic. Micro might mean small, but it is still huge. Well, there are ocean plastic solutions. Meet members of the Sea Monkey Project, a family of four who sail and live aboard their 41-foot yacht. Sydney, not quite 18, is the spokesperson for the Sea Monkey Project. Sydney is joined by her mom, Sarah, dad, Carlos, and younger brother, Indy. We moved on the boat when I was six years old. This is the second boat we've lived on. The first one was actually built by my grandfather, and it was just 36 feet long, and it only had really two rooms. One was the bathroom, and the other was just the whole living room, kitchen, and bedroom, and yeah, dining table. <laughs> yeah, but I guess I didn't really know what was going on at the time, but I thought it was really cool because, I mean, it was really fun sort of living on a boat because we got to do so many different things that we didn't get to do before. And it was kind of like camping, I guess. <laughs> I've been reading all about Sydney and Indy doing all of this work with regard to saving the oceans and and keeping plastic out our tagline is is ocean plastic solutions and education plastic is a very useful item for transporting things and medical and it's a miracle product but as far as it goes for human progress the main thing that we're focusing on is single-use plastics like straws and Plastic bags, uh, takeaway containers, like polystyrene. Yeah, that's the main items that we see floating in the ocean and washed up on the beaches. 
turtles in jest and whales. If we're going to focus on something, that's probably the one that that we because it's just too enormous to tackle it as a whole. So just the overall excessive consumption of the society now with having everything overpackaged. Some grapes that came from Korea. I counted five different pack wrappings on it. It had plastic container, bubble wrap. It was sitting on bubble wrap and then it had some other like bubble wrap type uh, foam substance and then it was again wrapped in plastic a plastic bag that's totally unnecessary <laughs> excessive consumption and over packaging that is the society we are living in what made me want to do all this as this is what i say all the time it's like as we sailed and mostly through asia we found plastic everywhere there's nowhere we've been that hasn't had plastic but as we traveled that's how we saw how bad the plastic pollution problem really was and it was just, there was so much of it. There's plastic underneath people's homes in the waters of where they actually get their food. It really got into my mind. And then when we got to Malaysia, that's when we created the Sea Monkey Project. And that's how I started to learn a lot more. And the people we meet and the things that we do has made me learn so much more and be much more, I guess, passionate about it. And we are trying to provide the kids or give the kids an alternative way of thinking and that this is a normal way of life, that we need to start thinking not first and foremost about ourselves and about how much we can make, but how can we enjoy ourselves and be passionate and do something that we enjoy and be doing it for the greater good of everyone. It's something that she feels personally that she needs to try and do something about to help these animals or to help the earth and try and help the things that don't have a choice. They're just stuck with it. For Sydney, she's passionate about the ocean. She wants to do something with animals and, and the sea. So the natural thing was to make a project. I always think if you're going to do something, then... It can't be in theory, you actually have to go out and actually do it instead of just writing in a textbook and then forgetting about it. It's The best way to learn is to actually start a business or start some sort of mission that, that you can keep growing and progressing. And along the way, she's met some very amazing and influential people, which, you know, that only is going to help her in the future because she's making lots of contacts and meeting very interesting people. We are so lucky that we discovered the cruising community, but also the people who are interested in stopping the flow of plastic into the ocean. We collaborate together and share ideas and solutions. It's just been a really great way of a schooling method because of all these, yeah, all these opportunities that keep coming at, at us and particularly Sydney for a future, not, not necessarily career, but to continue on with the work. You're innovative and you're moving the thought process along into the future. That university of life is truly what you're providing the kids, both of them. As with any experience, there are apprehensions and sometimes fears. Well, Sydney shares how she deals with those ocean storms. 
we were in like a really pretty bad storm in Sumatra and I do get really scared at times but I guess I'm not real good at showing it really I basically sit outside and I kind of freak out in my mind but if I'm told to do something that will help well I'm told to do something in the storm I have to do it I won't just say no I can't do that more than one million seabirds and animals die of ingesting plastic every year. Plastics are overproduced and consumers continue purchasing certain plastics when there are solutions such as, well, cotton bags and other solutions. The Steenland family embarked on an innovative journey to find ways to remove plastic from the oceans and keeping it out of the oceans. Hence, their upcycling projects. We started, when, when we got to Malaysia, my dad in particular, he wanted to actually do something like, we went through a few ideas before we got to this machine. The man who designed the machines, he, he invented them. He's in Holland and then he invented them in 2013. The blueprints we got from the precious plastics was actually not right. So my dad did actually kind of have to work it out on him on his own and a little bit from scratch I guess but not exactly but so I I helped him build that machine and I actually did most of the electrical wiring on it so that that was actually really yeah that was a really good thing to learn because I mean I used to have a pet rat as well and he used to chew all the wires on the boat so I had to learn how to rewire because of him yeah so that's a good skill to learn. So we built the first machine and we had one person interested in it. They weren't really committed to it, they just wanted to have it as like a home project, but that is definitely not what we wanted. We ended up partnering with Fuse EcoTier, they're like an eco-tourism company. And so they they kind of helped us, because we're partnering with them, they helped us get a bit bigger and that's where we started doing fancy things like oiling the wooden bench and powder coating all of the me- the metal and so that we then we got really snazzy in machines so then we started selling them <laughs> to well we got our first buyer it was plastic free jersey uh, yeah jersey island in the uk now we've got machine on prentian island in malaysia that's just north of tiamen and we've got a, t- a machine on tiamen island we have a machine in bangkok one in the Maripo rainforest that's like in the center of Malaysia and in the UK so it's going really well. So the original machine that was invented by Dave Hakens so there's three parts of the machine you have the shredder the extrusion and the injection machine and but they were originally all on sort of separate tables but what we did is put them all onto one table it's much more portable that way the shredder that's the, basically the first step of the process of recycling. So you have to get the clean, sorted plastic by types because there's seven different types of plastic and there's, well, they've all got their own personalities, I guess. <laughs> and so you, you have to sort them into types and only recycle one type each time and uh, put them through the shredder and it makes it up into tiny little granules, flakes. flakes. Yeah, yeah, flakes. And then you get the flakes and you take them and you can either put them into the extrusion machine or the injection machine. And the extrusion, it goes into the hopper and it goes into like a tube where it mixes up 
and it melts and then it comes out the very end as like a noodle, I guess. And that's what we get the end of the noodle and we start wrapping it around in a circle. And then that's how we make bowls and plant pots. Yeah, and or then you have the injection machine and you put the flakes into the hopper and it goes as a tube and it melts. And then instead of it coming out as at the very end, you actually have to put a mold onto the bottom. And we have a mold for earrings. It's just like a disc. But the mold for it is just flat and we just use a hole puncture and punch out the earrings. And we have a mold for these turtles that we mostly make. The idea behind how we've done the machines is that essentially what I wanted to do was we wanted to be able to create essentially a little business in a box. So in these communities where they're poor and they need some extra funds, we can put a machine set there and then one or two people, they can walk around the machine and keep working and then they're producing. So they're getting paid to clean up the area and getting paid to manufacture. We try and keep them close together and working with each other. One of our main goals is to, instead of having like volunteers from like the local turtle rehabilitation project working on it, we want to get the locals doing it. And like on Parentian Island, they make turtles. You're able to make a change. You will never know the absolute wonderful imprint that you have made for that person. You're also witness to this project and the creation of your heart and your compassion. The Juara Turtle Project who owned the machine, it was, they had thought of the idea of turning their ocean plastic because once it's been in the sea for too long, it, it gets a lot of oil stuck to it, barnacles, stuff that you, algae. And yeah, you just can't clean it enough that recyclers won't recycle it. So there's, a, it's all well and good to to pull it out of the ocean, I mean, ideally, our goal is to make sure it doesn't go in in the first place. But once it is taken out of the ocean, there's not a lot you can actually do with it. So Tom, who's the leader of the, you know, the recycling project on the island, he experimented the the ratio of plastic flakes. So the shredder, we just basically threw all the ocean plastic in the shredder. And it was a, a, a bit of an experiment because it smelled terrible. Yeah, there was lots of horrible things like leftover soft drink in the bottles and that all gone all disgusting. But it all went in the shredder. Carlos was very anxious to see how the shredder would hold up because we had never done it before. But it went fantastic. It 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 handled it all the plastic really well. And then Tom had figured out the ratio between sand and this the cement and and some rocks there's got to be a bit more testing with durability later on but so far so good yeah they're, they're holding up really well so yeah, yeah it was another discovery and and another application for what to do with the plastic waste that no one can recycle there's I mean, seven types seven of different plastic. types, and at the moment, we really only experimented with type 2 and type 5. And some types. And type 4, yeah. Young Indy shares his knowledge regarding the different types of plastics. We've got the expert here who knows. Yeah. We'll bring him in. I'm classified as the expert because we did this, I guess, plastic education for this school in Kuala Lumpur, but we did it in Tiamen, where we are. 
now. And I had to tell all of the kids about the different types of plastic. So uh, type one, which is polyethylene terephthalate, is plastic bottles, mostly. It, yeah, water bottles and uh, it's... I haven't seen it in a lot of other types of packaging, yeah. Type two, which is high density polyethylene, is mostly uh, like conditioner bottles, like, uh, well, shampoo yeah, and sh- bottle caps. Yeah. The HD stands for high density, meaning it's really thick. So usually if you get a very durable plastic, it'll be type two, I guess. So, and then uh, type three, which is P- polyvinyl chloride. That's what it was. Polyvinyl chloride, I don't know a lot about. That's why I said to all of the kids. Yeah, they're, well, like you just said, water pipes. You don't see it a lot in everyday plastic, I guess. So then uh, type type four is low-density polyethylene. That is usually bags, plastic bags. The LD stands for low-density. Yeah, it's really thin. And uh, we... We don't recycle, we haven't been able to recycle plastic bags yet because they're so flexible, we can't really shred it. Type 5, which is polypropylene, is probably the most popular single-use plastics. It's straws, it's bottle lids. Packaging, like Tupperware containers. Yeah, yeah, it's usually like, well, we went to a supermarket and I looked at these containers. It was little... uh, candy containers like tic tacs tic tacs is type five their packaging and then type six is styrofoam polystyrene polystyrene yeah please always avoid that it's very bad yes i don't think anyone can ever really recycle it because it's mostly air Mm. oh yeah we forgot type seven type seven is just literally labeled other and that's like compact discs and nylon fabrics yeah. I never thought about nylon fabrics being considered a plastic. Yeah. Well, was it like 95% of, I think it was 97% of all plastic in the Great Pacific Garbage Patch is microplastics. And that can mean little tiny pieces of plastic or fibers. When you do your laundry, like if you have lots of plastic-based clothing, about 10,000 fibers will go into the drains and into the oceans. The Cora ball yeah. inspired by coral because how they filter through micro microalgae or something living in the ocean and they made this ball that you can just chuck into your laundry and it will, I don't know how it works really, it's like it's not very that fine but it still manages to collect so many bits of fiber it actually comes out as like a fluff. And then you can pick it up, you can take it out and uh, put it in the rubbish bin. <laughs> it's probably creating like a static electric charge yeah. and, and it pulls it in. Because you can see static electricity when you rub against a lot of nylon shirts, you can it's feel it. So yeah. that's probably what's happening. It's probably like a static electric charge or something like that. And it's attracting all those little microfibers. So like your, your polar fleeces and... It, and your moisture wicking shirts and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> all of it is letting the plastic go. Education. Yeah. It's a 
kind of gone into the rabbit hole of finding out all these things and, and being <laughs> horrified as well. Yep. Everybody makes their own conscious decisions. It is really, really, really hard for people to make an informed and educated decision because they don't have the full story. And it is seriously hard to find the full story. It, it takes a long time. So only once you get the full story the whole way around can you sit there and actually say, okay, consciously, I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that? It, you can't really poke blame or, or put people at fault because they don't know. So that, that's a big part of what we're trying to do is we're trying to provide that education and that bit of knowledge so that people can then make an informed decision. And they might not, they might not go to the extreme or the length of what we are doing, but they've still got the information that they can go to the level that they are comfortable with, that they're happy to do. And that's all that we can ask. We came to shore once and when we docked our dinghy and we were walking along the jetty, you could see the fishermen were getting blocks of ice and chucking it into their boat for their day of fishing. And But all of the blocks of ice, they were just frozen water inside plastic bags. And rubber bands. So they were cutting, they were cutting the plastic bags off and chucking them into the water, just off the side of the jetty because they didn't know, and um, they don't know Thousands how it affects. Yet there was, there was so many bags, but they just they, they didn't really know because this was quite a poor community and it was fairly isolated. But you can see there was trash everywhere, and but what we did was we we stopped and we helped them cut the plastic bags off, but we kept the bags and put them into another bag. And then we took the bag and we showed them what we were doing. And we went and chucked it into the nearest dumpster. And then we just kept going and we said, yeah, goodbye and stuff. But then when we came back the next day, they were collecting the bags themselves and putting it into the dumpster. Your modeling and your education work, it may be just a little small piece in the world and just a few people, but word spreads and they'll continue to do this. We also began doing things like harvesting fishing net and rope that has been entangled in mangroves and in, in the ocean, floating around the ocean and tangled amongst rocks on islands. So we saw that this was quite a valuable material that's still quite durable but it's actually very very bad for the environment so it makes up a very wide percentage of plastic pollution in the ocean. I may be wrong but from what I last remember, it was like 40% of plastic pollution is actually from fishing industry. So we went and we collected these materials and we began upcycling them in our headquarters. And we began upcycling them into things like keychain loops and um, uh, drawstring bags uh, with a net. But that was sort of the birth of our newest line of products that we are extremely proud of. So these products are actually... 100% upcycled material, backpacks, tote bags, and fanny packs. So these, we, we saw all of these materials that have been discarded in the water sport industry, the fishing industry. When I say water sport industry, I mean sailing, I mean uh, surfing, windsurfing, kite surfing, all stuff like that. Uh, materials like the sails, wetsuits, or fishing nets, or rope, bits and pieces like that, and we've been putting these all together 
into these unique, water-resistant, durable bags and even the stitching is 100% recycled plastic. These are all upcycled backpacks and we're very proud of them. So during recent times, during COVID-19, uh, since it affected our project quite largely, we decided to take on a new approach to our project. So we realized that recycling will never be the answer and we have sort of stepped a little bit back from recycling and more into upcycling, which means giving an item a much higher value than what it was valued before. But we're also working more on education. COVID-19 happened and now we're here with our own plastic education comic book that was illustrated by my mother compiled by her and a boat friend. It teaches kids as young as, I'm gonna say, seven or eight. All sorts of things like uh, where plastic came from, why it's bad, how you can avoid it, how you can be an ocean hero. A big component to what we do is creating education material and, and mainly for kids because we find they they are just more open to thinking about things and there's not actually a lot of information for for the youth about global issues but i think i think that kids have got a lot of power and like if they if they get the knowledge they're likely to tell their parents they're like oh let's not let's not have a straw with our drink or we don't need a plastic bag or why because kids are very curious and once they find out different things they will tell their parents about it so that's a key factor and what we do is get the kids informed and then they hopefully will will spread the word through their communities we have the green turtle and the leatherback turtle and those were actually made to raise awareness for turtles in malaysia because the green turtle is the most common one that comes to malaysia to nest but the leatherback is actually extinct in Malaysia. There's a lot of kids that are actually making a stand. Sydney, Sarah, and Carlos share their last inspiring words. So, really, the wildlife that's been on our planet has been here for so much longer than humans ever have been. And they've all worked together to make a giant, just a symbiotic ecosystem where they all work together and they managed to make it so perfect I guess it took so long to evolve that but then when humans come along and they start being selfish they're not considerate of the things that have been here so much longer than us you know how like children are taught to be nice to elderly people because they're much wiser and they've been here so much longer we're not doing the same thing to the planet and I mean, just for this planet to evolve so perfectly, I guess, just to be destroyed by humans is in not that much of, in not that long of time. We've got so many solutions to things that work, but it's just a lack of in, lack of caring that none of these things have gone forth yet. It just hasn't happened yet, and you just need to care, really. I think that's the thing is is the making conversation is really important and then the blindfold comes off with a lot of these things that that we didn't know before and then you can just get better and better there's always room for improvement no one's perfect but we just have to start somewhere and then yeah and then you never know where where it leads 
really greedy businessmen. They don't understand that not even they can survive without the planet. Simplification, it's just, it's very, very liberating. Very liberating, that's for sure, yeah. And you have quality time with each other, and you have that time for conversation. Just pick something to do, something that is a start and start to try and make a difference. It doesn't have to be big, just, yeah, just start. You'll find nature so much more enjoyable. If you would like to buy a turtle and support our project where the funds go directly into funding our project to build machines, fund beach cleanups and plastic education, and also paying the workers who make the turtles, you can go to our website seamonkeyproject.com and you can also learn about plastic waste and what we do and how we do it and see all mum's awesome cartoons. I'm having a drawing for your positive imprint cotton shopping bag. Here's how to enter the drawing. Share how you have reduced or eliminated single-use plastics or other types of plastics or nylon by emailing me. In the boating industry, I invite you to share your positive imprints as well in the reduction of plastics aboard your vessel. Please share your positive imprints and email them to me, Catherine at yourpositiveimprint.com. That's C-A-T-H-E-R-I-N-E, and you will be entered in a contest to win a Your Positive Imprint cotton shopping bag. The drawing will be held on November 14th. I am giving away two bags. You could win one of them. Please enter. And remember, right now, guests are twice a month. Coming in November, what's in a name? What's in your name? Hmm. Join me as guest Juliana from the UK shares what's in a name, followed by a climate change update by Nathan Bindoff himself. Thanks for sending your emails with suggestions of positive imprints you'd like me to share. Again, the next guest will be November 7th. In the meantime, check out my catalog of variety guest episodes. There's almost 200. And don't forget to enter the contest with your positive imprints on ways to end plastic pollution. We wish fair winds and plastic-free seas to you all. Follow, subscribe, or download this podcast. Your Positive Imprint. What's your P.I.?